The Lord said to Moses, I will bring judgment on all the gods in the land so that my wonders may multiply. This is the key to understanding God's plan behind the disasters. Ten plagues against ten false gods men has made for themselves. This is the eighth plague from the book of Exodus, chapter 10. The eighth plague, locusts. The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh. I have made his heart hard, so that I may show my signs to them, and that you will tell your sons and your grandsons, one generation after another, how I have harshly dealt with the Egyptians, and the signs I've performed for them to see, referring to your own children, not the Egyptians, that you and your children may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, is saying, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may worship me. If you refuse to let my people go, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and the locusts will cover the face of the land. They will eat whatever crops and plantation that is left after the hailstorm from the previous judgment, and locusts will fill all the houses of the Egyptians in a way not your fathers or your grandfathers had ever seen before you. Pharaoh's officials began to persuade him, saying, Just let them go and worship their God, otherwise our whole country is ruined. So Pharaoh brought back Moses and Aaron, and he asked them, saying, Let's say I let you go to worship God. Who is going? Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, sons and daughters, and our livestock as well. And we must hold a feast to God, as in to worship God in celebration. Pharaoh said, perhaps mockingly, The Lord be with you, or, or God be with you, just you. And you want the little ones to go too? You have some evil purpose in mind. Pharaoh was accusing Moses here. Pharaoh said, No, go, but only the men among you should go and worship God. After saying that, Pharaoh kicked out Moses and Aaron from seeing him. So God gave instruction to Moses, and Moses obeyed. And locusts came and covered the entire land of Egypt and ate what was left of the crops and fruits in the whole land of Egypt. Quickly, Pharaoh asked for Moses and Aaron again and said, I have sinned against God, against you too. Now please forgive my sin just this once. Plead and pray to your God and remove this death from me. So Moses prayed to God for Pharaoh, and God removed the locusts from the land. There wasn't a single locust left in all of Egypt. God answered the prayer of Moses. But God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh did not let go of the people of Israel to go and worship. There are many things we could highlight from the plague of locusts in Exodus chapter 10. For instance, uh, Moses negotiating for religious freedom for all his people with the governing leader of a multi-religious nation. There were the Hebrew people of God, and there was Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and the consequences for both sides based on the course of action of their leaders, leading to the plague of the locust. There is the patience of the Hebrew people, following and waiting on God himself to win their battles so that they may go free and go to worship God. Some battles, like this one, are fought with words and narratives and not weapons. 
there is God's leniency in holding back from the previous judgment of hailstorm, not destroying all the crops in the land, and resuming the punishment when people refused to repent or acknowledge God. Then famine came, and the remaining crops were also destroyed by God, sending the locusts. There is Moses' intercessory prayer for Pharaoh when he pleaded, when Pharaoh asked Moses to pray and appease to God for him, even though Pharaoh had been a slave-driving, double-crossing, fake worshiper, Moses, with patience and kindness, prayed for him, that he may turn his heart and acknowledge God. Ultimately, Pharaoh was in God's hands, not Moses. There is God's mercy in answering the prayers of his people, from Moses in particular, and thereby averted further judgment and disasters to continue for Pharaoh and for the land of Egypt. That was the whole country under his leadership at that moment. Many themes to be explored here that applies to many 21st century civilizations and countries. In this episode, I am simply focused on the main issue at heart. Idolatry had always been in the hearts, creeping, lurking, hiding in the hearts of men and women. And the judgment of God with terrible signs exposed that idolatry in the hearts of men and women. It is the problem of idolatry seen in Pharaoh juxtaposed here to the faithfulness of Moses. This plague is about family and legacy and worship to God for families to pass down the knowledge of God and not just knowledge but the attitude of a God-fearing heart. Moses insisted on being faithful to God's instruction, bringing all of Israel's sons and daughters. No one is to be left behind when we go worship. When Pharaoh asked, Moses says, we must all go. Pharaoh was saying, only your men should go and worship. Women and children can stay. And strikingly, Moses' replied was, We will go with our young and our old, sons and daughters. Together we will all go and hold a feast to the Lord in worship. This line of dialogue was at the heart of the plague that took place. The plague pointed to this issue. Worshiping God is an endeavor for the whole family. Yes, there was the locust, but it was really about family and worship. Let's take it from the top and notice how it starts. God says to Moses, I am showing you the signs among the Egyptians who refuse to bow to me and worship me so that you can tell your sons and grandsons and generations after generations what I, the Lord God, have done. I'm showing you these signs so that you can tell your sons and grandsons who the Lord is and what he has done. What the Lord has done was not just against the Egyptians of the time or for Moses and Aaron or for the Hebrew people to see. The signs of God was for the children and their children to see and fathom, some of them not even born yet. The plague that God has sent, these signs were for them also. The disasters of locusts was a sign from God, a sign pointing the people to God, and not just the people themselves that were there, but also their children and their children, so that they may know God also. 
when we look back on all the historic spectacles of human history, it is for us to fathom and know God was in it. God says to Moses, See how I've judged these people so harshly because of disobedience. Tell God to your children and your children's children so that they may mature to fear God properly. See what happens when a people refuse to acknowledge God as God. When you see these signs, you tell your children about me, God says. So Moses responded to Pharaoh saying, Our sons and daughters will go and worship with us too. As in, no one in our family is to be left behind out of worship. And as for those who refuse to worship God, like Pharaoh and his company, Moses was saying there will be punishment and judgment that comes in such a way even your fathers and grandfathers had never seen. The testimony of God's justice and glory, seen in his power and his signs, cuts in both directions of the timeline, to sons and grandsons and to fathers and ancestors, in both ways. To worship God is proper in the legacy of every family. Moses stood up to Pharaoh for families to honor God. He has made a God-fearing commitment for all the Hebrew families, parents, children, fathers, and sons. Moses insisted on obeying God's way, saying, When we go worship, our sons and daughters will not be left behind. They are all coming with us. Insistent on obedience to God. That's the faithfulness we see in Moses. Faithful to God. Even against Pharaoh's commanding authority and political power, legal and rightful in his own right, Moses trusted in God to make a way open. And God opened all the way down the Red Sea and up the mountain cliffs of Sinai. But for now, Moses had to stand ground. In this instance, he had to insist on being obedient and faithful, one step at a time, until he sees Red Sea and up the Mount Sinai. All the families of Hebrews will go and worship, young and old, among fathers, sons and daughters to come with. God would soon make a way. But Moses remained faithful first. So tell all your children about me, God was saying. Bring your whole family to worship God together. Moses was speaking for the Hebrew people of God. When churches invest in youth ministry, the first goal is to tell God's glory, full of marvel and the power and wonders of God, and to inspire a good and proper fear for God to respect and revere. Tell God's glory from fathers to sons, parents to children, old to the young, just as Moses was doing. Tell of the consequences of faithful obedience and the consequences of ignorant disregard. God's act is recorded in Scripture to be heard and taught, and God's truth is reflected in all the world around us, even today. We gather to worship to tell the glory of God again and again in all the days of our lives. All the things we've heard and we've learned about God in worship are to be told in families, from fathers to sons and daughters, parents to children. Worship to God. Worship to God also happens in homes this way. 
and not just in churches on Sundays. God says, I'm doing these terrible signs for you to see so that you can tell your children, your very own, about me, God is saying. Hailstorm was wrecking havoc and locust swarm was bringing on a famine presently. Part of being faithful to worship in times of global pandemic and world crisis is to tell your children and not be silent about a mighty and powerful God of justice and mercy and grace. Tell your sons and daughters. He is able to judge with perfect justice, to unleash terrible punishment, and with gentle mercy to protect his very own children. That is our Father in heaven, guiding fathers on earth to parent their young. Bring the whole family to worship together. If you have not come to worship God as a family, something needs to change. And when you worship God as a family together, God could change things in families in ways you could never dream of. If parents ever bring their children to church because they want their children to change, you have to let God change your children the way God wants them to change. And the way God changes a person by the Spirit of God and with the teaching of Scripture could be completely different from what you had in mind or what you wanted as a parent. And you will have to let God change you as a parent. You cannot tell your children to fear God unless you yourself fear God first. You cannot tell your children to worship God unless you worship God first. So you as a parent must also, first and foremost, fear God and tell your children the mighty act of God. And when you do not fear God, that's when the plagues and the judgment came as a sign to this idolatry. Worship is coming to surrender to God's way. Even in parenting, how to raise children and to praise God in all His perfect ways. When parents worship God, it tells the children that God is the most perfect Father in heaven. Idolatry is either putting family ahead of God or trying to make family possible without God. Idolatry is either putting family ahead of God or trying to make family possible without God. Family without God means disobedience to God, in a sense saying, I want good things for my family the way I want it. I don't need God. I can tell myself how to run my family. Idolatry happens in the family when someone says, I don't have to go to church to worship. My wife can go. Mom and dad can go. I don't have to go. I can stay home. I can stay away. Between Moses and Pharaoh, Essentially, what Pharaoh said was, let me tell you how to run your family. Or in effect, for anyone who says, I can tell myself how to run my family without God. So Pharaoh said to Moses, in a way, let me tell you how to run your family. Just the men could go worship. The rest, they don't have to go. This spiritual corruption dominated Pharaoh's heart. And it could be in anyone, in any family, any culture at any time. Not just in Pharaoh so long ago, even today. This is the idolatrous attitude surrounding family. And it is not something that was reserved in the heart of Pharaoh only in the ancient times. It's prevalent everywhere even today. So it's no wonder that God's judgment still happens today. 
if we do not surrender ourselves as a whole family with sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, to worship God. It was a problem in Pharaoh's view of the family that leads to this nationwide plague. So God, just as he was, judged Pharaoh and his nation through Moses, his servant. And when God heard the prayer of Moses for Pharaoh, there was grace. Family is important. Many of us see that value. Family first, we say. The real priority for family is prioritizing God, putting God first in family. God is for family. And Moses, for the sake of all the fathers of God's people, the Hebrews, says to Pharaoh, we are all going. We are all going. Notice the movement in that sentence between the plagues. At once there was judgment and the hailstorm came and everyone obeyed and was quarantined home. No one gets out. But in his heart, Moses was ready and more than willing to go. He was ready to go and worship and bring everyone. When the time is finally right, bring everyone and worship. Young and old, sons and daughters, everyone. The time to worship is also family time. When in community, parents tell their children the glory of God to lovingly teach and explain about who God is in the most intimately personal and spiritually affectionate ways. No corporate or organized church ministry can ever replace the intimate love and the spiritual affection of a father towards his own sons and daughters. And Moses, by standing his grounds to Pharaoh, paved ways for all the families to worship so that fathers may tell sons and daughters about who God is. That's a leader among families. Assisting parents to love their children in God's way is the one of the most important things a church could do. What you as a parent receive from God, tell it to your sons and daughters. Teach them obedience. Teach them to fear the Lord properly. And the mission of the church is to help families, fathers and mothers do just that for children. To tell about God in obedience. <laughs> 